The Suffering Podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any other major podcast platform. Please subscribe and like to get the latest episodes as soon as they drop. You can also find our latest episodes at thesufferingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. Feel free to comment. We may read your comments on future podcasts and even reach out to you for a future guest spot. Like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Suffering Podcast. Here you'll see links to episodes, updates, and inside information on how to achieve greatness through the joy of suffering. We are proud to introduce the Dented Development Project. In conjunction with the Suffering Podcast, the Dented Development Project is a nonprofit 501c3 with a mission. That's to help first responders and their families repair dents caused by suffering. Visit us at DentedDevelopmentProject.com and get involved today. Helping us means that we can take care of those who take care of us. Sit your ass sit your down. Ass down. Sit your ass sit down. down. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. Sit your ass down. down. Sit your ass down. And strap in. This is gonna hurt. Gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt. Gonna hurt. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. This is gonna hurt. It's time for the suffering podcast. Welcome to the suffering podcast. Each episode, we walk you through how suffering is the way to sustainable success and the path to greatness. So sit down and strap in. This is gonna hurt. Let's talk about the suffering. All new Suffering Podcast gear is here. The show depends heavily on our supporters to get the word out. Let people know that suffering is a team sport and no one is alone in their struggles. Wearing the Suffering Podcast merchandise accomplishes that goal. Check out our store at thesufferingpodcast.com or check our show notes for the link. Your support and love means everything to us. Caffeina is now part of the Suffering Podcast family. We all need a boost of energy from time to time. Rather than reach for that fifth cup of coffee or grabbing a sugary, chemical-laden energy drink, choose the better alternative. That better alternative is Caffeina. Caffeina is a delicious caffeine and electrolyte-infused spring water that is micro-filtered for purity. It's a delicious and refreshing natural energy drink that delivers the most vital of elements to us, and that's water. There is no aftertaste, no chemicals, and no sugar. Caffeina is a perfect source for pre- and post-workout, morning or afternoon pick-me-up, or just something refreshing to quench your thirst. Caffeina is listed as Amazon's Choice on Amazon.com, and that comes with free shipping. Just search Caffeina, C-A-F-E-I-N-A, or check out our show notes for the link. Put a little pep in your step while still feeling good about the products you put in your body. Stay hydrated, stay awake, stay healthy with Caffeina. You know, some people are just infectious. They get into your soul and they elicit a certain emotion. Every person has their particular talent. Some can touch your heart. Some can make you angry. But the rare ones can make you laugh. 
Making people laugh is a gift. It's an art. Bringing laughter into people's lives may be one of the most difficult responses to draw out of somebody. It's easy to make people angry. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort. I mean, you just got to ask my wife that one. You're going to ask me, what does suffering have to do with laughter? Well, suffering and tragedy over time equals comedy. A good friend of mine told me that once, and I strongly believe in its truth. A comedian crafts suffering, or as Mel Brooks once succinctly said, she coalesced the vapors of the human condition into a viable and useful understanding. I'm Kevin Donaldson. I'm here with Mike Felice. And on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we talk to Roro Antonuccio, who's sitting down with us to discuss the suffering of a comedian. I've been looking real forward to you coming in today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? I've been totally looking forward to this. Mike and I follow you every day second of the day on Instagram and we'll, we'll text each other. Hey, did you see Roe on Instagram? It's constant. To like, she's out of the other. I mean, this is like text 52 that she put out there today. I'm here. I'm there. I'm smiling. Keep going. You know, and that, that's a, the great thing. You, you always are smiling. I mean, we only met a couple times. It's just like every time I see your, your posts on Instagram, you always have this big smile on your face. So why can't I be like that? Yeah, well, I'm sure there's some, some stuff behind the smile, but before we get into it, I want to get into this week's social media question, and it comes from Luke. I've been saving this one for you, Ro, okay. because it says, how do you manage your career mm. and your social media? I bitch about social media on this podcast many times because I hate it. It's it's time consuming. You got to put the right face out there. I've been looking to pawn it off. So any of our listeners that do social media, <laughs> I'm willing to take those emails. But how do you do it? Because you're on social media a lot, promoting yourself, promoting yes. your comedy. How does it work into your lifestyle? To be honest, I didn't have an intention when I first started. Really, throughout, um, as it developed, my mindset was be as authentic as possible in everyday life. And I was when I do anything, I don't even think about it. I do anything I do, I do first take. Anything that comes into my gut that I can encourage anybody, I'm always thinking about that. That's in my heart. So that's in the background. Being able to work, obviously, during the day and, and post, it's just a constant flow in my brain. Even for, you know, I have something set up even for the next week. I know that on Monday or Tuesday, I have some things that I want to I wanna share. So it's always like in advance. Last night I had a show. So today I have all these pictures and I'll just be able to share them. But I think just really just being able to balance is having the heart to share your life. I so. think some of the younger generation, they don't have... Uh, some some of them don't have a full-time job yet, so they spend a lot of time on social media. So they're able to produce this fantastic content, which, as anybody promoting themselves knows, you have to constantly produce content and get yeah. yourself out there. And the more you do that, the more successful you're going to be. True. Now we're going to go to the anti-social media hero <laughs> over here, Mike Felice. Listen, it, it's very easy for me. I'm retired, and I have an Instagram account. <laughs> you know, I had all the time in the world. I think I've got maybe 10 posts on Instagram. <laughs> so it's a very easy balancing act for me. Well, aside from following the Suffering Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, follow at Rosabella38 and Dented underscore Ace as well. So, Roro, there's a lot to talk about here, but I want I you to say where to start. I know that's what, it's I'm having a tough time. Where do I begin? But I really want you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. I always start anybody that asks about, about me. I always say this is a Netflix series. So <laughs> if Netflix is listening, uh, we are ready for you. You know, first generation Italian American. And I always say that because I think 
it was such a huge influence in my life. My parents coming over from Italy, we had a certain way of growing up. Well, the funny thing is, so in my house where we record this this podcast, you're not allowed to wear your shoes in the house because yes. my wife is Italian. <laughs> and I, I, I mentioned that to Ro, and Ro says, oh, you married an Italian, huh? I said, yes, I did. Rule number one. Rule number one. I think it's in the handbook one word. I, yeah. I did draw the line at the plastic slip covers on the couch. So. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's 2021. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's cheaper to buy a new couch and have your ass stick to it. <laughs> yeah, but all those classic stories, that's how we grew up. I always mention that because growing up, it was the biggest blessing to be part of a family like that. It was all my aunts, uncles, cousins. My best friends were my cousins. You know, my parents, like I, I said to you guys last night, they had nothing. They literally had nothing, but they had everything at the same time. So they instilled that in us. But at the same time in America, they they had opportunity. My dad found work, and my mom also was the home cook of the family. Managed, Two kitchens? Uh, yes, of, of course. course. Of course. Yeah. I grew up around all Italians. That's how I know all this stuff. There's two kitchens. Husband, yes. has a, husband has a rec room somewhere yeah. where there's usually a pool table, plastic slip covers that nobody's allowed to sit on certain furniture yes. in the house. Yes, I do know. My parents' house has just an awesome, it's all brick, has the kitchen downstairs, <laughs> but we actually have a wine cellar that my uncles and my dad built. So it's, you. we actually crush the grapes downstairs and we have a pit. You say you make your own wine, also? Yeah, so homemade we, Italian wine is like uh, moonshine. We, yeah, so we used to, yeah, 15 years old, you had to see what, what we were uh, having. I, I blacked out one time, I swear. Statue of limitations oh, is over, so you yeah, don't worry about it. My mother's like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Oh, what the heck? Rosanna, go in there. So growing up, it was, you know, I even rebelled because being Italian, you know, my father, my mom were very trying to be strict and then American. You know, they wanted to hang out. I didn't even know what that was. And I used to say that. My father used to be like, no hang-ups. You know, like, <laughs> he, did, he didn't understand it. Grew up in Roselle Park, small town, great school, a lot of friends. That's it. I mean, that was my life growing up as an Italian-American, you know. Uh, got married when I was 24, I think. Um, had a baby. Just a normal, quote-unquote, life that you know the italian would be very proud of and then then things happen i always i always <laughs> love stories of people immigrating into this country because it follows a path whether you're italian whether you're irish german and i'm seeing it where we are there's a large indian community mm -hmm. so you see the greenhorns okay i'm sure you're familiar with that term greenhorns is a first generation or somebody who has just come off the boat so to speak and they'll come here and they'll be very traditional and they'll want I'm sure your your parents wanted you to marry an Italian and and they want you to stay within their their culture and and hold on to what they took from the yeah. old country. And you see this with the Indian population mm -hmm. on a it's funny because it's happening right before my eyes where before I would only hear about it. You're seeing the first and second generation Americans come in and you're starting to read their names in the paper for getting things like DWIs and yes. getting yeah, little yeah. petty thefts and getting in trouble and you're, they're getting the loud cars and they're just becoming Americanized. But I love that. Yeah, I yeah, absolutely yeah. love that because you assimilate into a society. And that's that's one of my favorite things about immigrants. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's like a bump in the road, you know? I mean, it's just almost like a natural thing. But again, it all it all panned out in the end. It all works out. But having that as my foundation is my motivation now, being able to bring those things forth and never forget. Like, people are trying to forget history and things like that. Well, that's that. perspective. Yeah, yeah, You need yeah. that perspective. That's true. Yeah. So you've listened to a couple episodes of The Suffering Podcast, mm -hmm. and I'm always interested to hear people's thoughts, our guests' thoughts, because I'm trying to make this better. So sure. tell me your thoughts on the episodes that you've listened to. I think 
you know, like I said, you guys give a voice to people that when things happen in people's lives, tragedy, the first thing that happens is silence. Because it's almost like you, you, you can't even imagine what just happened to you. And now you guys step in, you're bringing it forth to light, but not only for them to have an outlet, but for other people to say, hey, I'm going through that. I can relate. I'm not alone. To cry together. You're listening to it. You're emotional. You're connected. And you guys are, are that piece. Every one that I listen to and every, every time you talk and even uh, your perspective on giving, you know, when you're hurting and then you give, like that was, that's my thing, you know? So when you guys talk and allow people to actually say, hey, come tell your story. Let's, you know. It, it's I a think fine it's line amazing. to walk because some people think that it's an exploitation thing. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's really not. It, it, look, I can see their perspective when they, when they think, hey, somebody with a, a, a very large tragedy that's maybe made newspapers or something we'd love to get them in here and talk to them not to exploit their story but to let it out there in such a fashion to let people know like you said that we're not alone mike felice is actually wearing a shirt that says you are not alone and yeah you're a real good friend for getting me one of those shirts thanks yeah it's it's in the mail (laughs) yes i'll be waiting for it but we like to tell people that we are giving them a platform yeah you know to actually tell their story because kevin and i both went through some suffering in our law enforcement career and there were points where we didn't feel we had anybody to turn to or, or talk to right? Till we started getting it out there. And a lot of people that have come on here, and we've had some big-time military veterans here, you know, real tough guys that, that have seen the shit of combat. Mm-hmm. And they've seen the, the shittiest of people being in war and in combat. They've sat right in these chairs, and they'd actually cried to us. Yeah. It's, it's helping them out. And, sure. And one of, one of the greatest things about this podcast is after people do it, they call us and they— just, you know, they say, I just want to thank you. The gloves get dropped. Mm-hmm. When they come in here, they're trying to hold all those feelings in. And then at some point they realize that, listen, I don't give a shit what you went through. I'm, I'm here to, to help you get through it. Right. And you just see their shoulders drop and their hands drop and they let it go. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long time to let my pain go. And I'm still, I still have my moments. I'm certainly sure. far from perfect. Again, my wife reminds me that I'm not perfect <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I, but, I, I text Kevin, what was it, just yesterday? That I'm not perfect. No. Oh, no, no, I don't have to tell you that. <laughs> no, I, I was just, you know. I, I, I thought you were perfect. I, yeah, I, I, well. I, what's was, going on? You don't know him well enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I was just, you know, I, I have good days and bad days. And yesterday was a real bad day. Yeah. You know, and like I said, I just went through three neck surgeries and everything's still up in the air, whether I'm going to get use of both of my arms back. And Wow. I just had a real bad day yesterday, and I was texting Kevin. And I want to tell you, I had tears in my eyes yesterday. I was, it's just that you need someone to talk to. And being yep. trying to be the macho guy, guys don't necessarily want to come out and tell their problems, mm-hmm. especially right? especially old school Italians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We keep that all to ourselves. Yeah, never. They never. You never let them see you hurt. Yeah. You know, and, and you're yeah. afraid to show weakness when it comes to that. However, I'm I'm fortunate, and mm-hmm. I hope everybody has somebody like this in their lives. I have Mike Felice and I have Mike De Palma and sometimes I want to strangle these guys. <laughs> However, if I'm hurting, yeah. if, if I'm ha- going through some pain, those are the guys that I can lean on. Right. And they're going to tell me, they're not going to coddle me. They're not going to, they're not certainly not going to save my feelings, but they're going to tell me the way it really is. Absolutely. And I know they're going to be there to support me. Yeah. I so, was just going to say, yeah. yeah. I hope everybody has that in their lives. I certainly hope you do. I do. I do. That support is uh, essential 100%. You know, I have people in my life, my sister-in-law, my cousins and friends. The more that happens and the more you connect, and uh, I have these great girlfriends. We just recently, 
as soon as we even meet, like we've known each other really for years, even though we've met for, you know, for five minutes and connections like that, forget it. Well, you yeah. do say that it's good stuff. We, we were at one of Rose's shows last night. If you come to one of her shows, she feeds you because <laughs> that's an Italian thing. I got it. And once you eat together, you become family. That's right. And if you go on Rosabella at Rosabella thirty eight, you'll see her. She brought cannolis for the whole crowd. That's right. Yeah, it was. I have to. I this is something I started doing, and it's crazy because you usually go into a, a show. That's going to change when you get bigger. No, yeah. I actually said. I said that. I said. You know what? If I ever get like really big or do whatever and mass cry, I will have people at the door with boxes of cannolis, espresso, something, meatball in your hand. I don't know what Didn't we're going to say. Kauf- Andy Kaufman <laughs> did that. I Really? Andy Kaufman did that in the 70s. And I'm just recalling that where he took everybody out for either a hot dog or a slice of pizza. The whole crowd. <laughs> and it was a large audience. I love it. And so I, I really do like that. But I'm sure it's. it's well, the two ladies last night gave out pasta. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They what is it? Hand- the, the Belleville Broads? Belleville Broads. They Belleville were throwing Broads. food. I was like, this is family. <laughs> I swear to God, the one studied my mother-in-law. I'm not lying to you. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, this is-, is this is the pains of, of entering into, as an Irish guy, entering into an Italian family. And it's just a quick, short aside. <laughs> so when I was a police officer, throw I used to throw out my back because you're carrying so much weight around your waist. It shifts your hips. So I'm in bed. I hurt my back. She wasn't my mother-in-law yet. Cooks me this ziti. <laughs> but not just a plate of ziti, like a party tray, a tray. of yeah, ziti. Of course, yeah. Now she dumps, I can't take too much oil. She dumps like 30 weight all over it. <laughs> I was hungry. So I'm eating this and the oil starts to react with my stomach. Oh my God. Now I can't walk. But I got to get to the bathroom. (laughs) And I'm thinking in my head, is this some sort of joke? (laughs) I have to crawl to the bathroom. I'll show him. Yeah. I'll I'll get that Irish bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Come near my my daughter. But it was was like a joke. And here I am crawling across the floor and sweating, holding on for dear life. And man, that's that's my short Italian entrance into the Italian families. The power of olive oil. (laughs) Oh, just just so much of it. I can't handle it. But I'm sure it wasn't always roses for you. I'm sure you've yeah. gone through suffering in your life. So if you could pick out one of your stories that it really caused you pain throughout your life, what do you think your greatest suffering story would be? The biggest thing that knocked me off my horse was uh, the divorce that I went through when I was 32. My daughter was four. That wasn't the biggest thing because that, I, you know, I developed in that time. I was able to say, okay, how am I going to provide for my daughter? And all things worked out well forgiveness happened. It was huge. My faith grew. Because there's no plan B. I'm going to, I'm going to pinpoint that right now. Mm-hmm. You had nothing to fall back on. That's so right. it's either you succeed or you die. Yes, that's true. And the day I got divorced, my lawyer of 42 years in the business literally said to me, he's like, you're going to make it happen. And I'm sitting there with tears in my eyes. I'm like, how? I don't have a full-time job. My daughter was little. He goes, you'll see. He's like, moms, he's like, they do it. And I was mad. I was like, what? But you know what? I said, all right, let, let's do it. Again, that wasn't the, the worst thing. So after I got myself together, I actually raised my daughter and I did not date for eight years. So that's a that's a big thing for being 30-something years old. I focused on her, brought her to Disney. I volunteered. I actually did a lot of community service. I was involved even in a church that we were able to do so many things for other people. And that healed me. 
So I became someone that you're I, hired, by the way, because it, you just <laughs> you just. Pr- I always say that once you get through the darkness, you have to do your penance because that's what's yeah. going to ultimately sustain that healing. Yeah, and it did, and, and that people miss that. I see people they just want to run off to the next thing. You know, I was thirty something years old. I could have said, "Hey, can you watch my daughter? I got to go do something. I got to go find a man. I got to." No, I didn't do that. And I poured into my daughter. And if you know my daughter, you see it. Because my daughter, and then my ex-husband too at the time, we just, I said to myself, my mission is for a balanced blessing in my daughter's life. I did not want her affected by this. But then things happened. When I started dating, I was 40 years old. And I got involved in a long-term relationship. I was just a different person in that aspect. But I got into a relationship that became physically abusive. Oh boy. Um, it became verbally abusive, very, very aggressive, very fast. And people could be like, well, why don't you just leave? It's not that easy because once you're in it three months, four months, five months, and you're holding on to the hope that you had in day one, day two. It's only one time. It'll never happen again. Yeah, yeah. it was just, it became a cycle. It got to the point that it was just really bad. I mean, I was choked. I couldn't swallow for three days, and he wouldn't even apologize. I don't even share. It's crazy for me to even share it because, again, it's not about him. It's about what I went through and how I rose up out of it. That's my point of even saying this. And people go through things in relationships behind closed doors, and they don't talk about it. But I just knew I was in this, and I was. I knew I was more than what was happening to me, So, but I didn't know how to get out. And it was just cycle of abuse that I did not know how to get out of. You see, you see that a lot in domestic violence. I mean, we've seen it in our careers in law enforcement. It's just, like you said, that cycle of abuse and people just don't know how to get out of that. Sometimes yeah. you're in a comfort zone with a person that you're with. And you, like you said, you wish it goes back, reverts back to day one, day two. Yeah. You know, back in the, the dating stage, you yes. know, when everything was rosy. And- yes. Sometimes it doesn't come back. I always had a theory, though, when it came to domestic violence issues. Mm -hmm. When I went into a a DV or domestic violence incident and first words out of either the male or the female's mouth, it doesn't matter because it could go both ways. The first words out of their mouth were, I want to restrain an order. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I had this, of course, you had to entertain it, but I always had this thing in the back of my head. Yeah, you probably don't need it. It's the ones who don't want it. Those are the ones that need it the most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the ones that are just keep trying to hang on to yeah, what I, was I, there. I tried to fix it. I would. It, it just became this really toxic thing. I would always beg for, and now that see again, when you look back, you have you know hindsight's twenty right, twenty exactly. Yeah. So it was. I was tro- trying to fix fix it. I was begging for, and I was like, what the heck? So thank God. I mean, I just. One of the last times I saw him, he literally said, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And I was running away and he kicked me into a wall. No one knows. I had to fight that day. And me being 5'1", when I think of that moment, I tried to fight back. But I knew at that second, I was like, you know what? I know I'm going to actually break free because of this. And I did. That didn't end there, too. Again, being single, 40-something years old. I'm like, all right, let me get past this. And I did. And I started healing again, got into something a couple months later, and it was, it was even worse. Abusive-wise. It was worse. It was not even physically abusive. It was worse. He was lying and cheating after three months. Never had anybody cheat on me. I found a, um, a hotel receipt in his pocket as I was washing his clothes. <laughs> fun times. Yes, fun times. But it was even more psychologically toxic because I 
thought I loved him. And he would shower me with quotes of love and all this stuff. And then again, con- I gave him a chance even after that. Constantly I, giving you gifts and reaffirming his love for you. It was just, I never saw a man cry. So, you know, I grew up with my father. My father's, you know, like holding bricks in his hands going, shut up, go, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, this guy's crying over me. But it was all manipulation. It was all trying to get into my brain and, and hold on to that. For me, I literally, that was a two-year just struggle. It was on and off and on and off. Those two relationships definitely were it it was just tormenting it was psychologically it was physically if you see pictures of my of myself then i had bags under my eyes people be like aren't you sleeping it was just it was just not good i hope you haven't given up because one of my favorite quotes is from thomas edison so thomas edison was asked when he invented the light bulb well you came up with all these different designs that didn't work he goes no it's it's not that they didn't work i just came up with a thousand ways not to invent the light bulb Mm. because you you have to learn and progress if you were to go into your first relationship and it's hey listen if if it happens for you that's that's fantastic yeah yeah but it's rosy and it's beautiful and everything's exactly the way you want. You're not going to appreciate it, but I bet you when it comes along, right, you're going to know exactly what you want, right, right, and and you're going to appreciate it much better because you have that different perspective. Definitely, and I, I think my focus now. So definitely, the word I wrote down just now was tolerate. I didn't know back then that I was making decisions to tolerate certain behaviors. That I would never tolerate who, like, who I am right now is not even anything what I was five, six years ago. And to me, that's huge. That's why you guys see me smile every day. Every time I take a selfie, I am so happy and so excited because of who I am, me, by myself. I don't need someone else. And growing up, I always mentioned the whole Italian thing. You know, my parents are married 50 years. My aunts and uncles, 55 years, 60 years. All these people... When I see that, the thing is, is that that's how actually I got into comedy. After all of that, I made a decision once I broke up with the second guy. Do you want me to tell that part of the story? Absolutely. <laughs> Go right ahead. Because, again, <laughs> we're both retired. We got all day. <laughs> Suffering and tragedy over time this is where, equals comedy. Yes. So I had, well, to go back for a tiny second, I had background in writing plays. Uh, I did original plays. I directed. I scored them. I did everything. And it was a natural talent that I had. It was just, it was birthed um, even through church and things like that. We performed for outreaches and it was great. And that was inside of me. Anyway, that was a season. After the second crazy relationship, I kept seeing signs at Scotty's Pub in Comedy Cove in Springfield. Yes, I know I, it is. Yeah, so I worked near there, and I kept seeing comedy writing classes. And I love writing. I write every day. So I'm like, you know what? I want to I take this. So for my 44th birthday, I said, you know what? I'm going to pursue what's in my gut. It sounds so dumb and simple. Like starting a podcast? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah. Um, it does. It sounds really, really it, stupid. Good segue. You yeah. have it inside of you, you know? It just was this gnawing feeling, and I was like, got to do it. And it was a little, it was a pretty penny. And I never, you know, you don't do stuff for yourself like that. And I said, no, I'm going to invest in myself. And I bought it for my birthday. And I was 44. And I jumped in. And I jumped into a world. It was like literally Alice in Wonderland going like, whoa, you know. (laughs) 
I decided to not feel sorry for myself. I decided to rise up. I decided to connect with people, get more support. Not to play the victim. Nope. Yeah. Uh, you know, people people like mm-hmm. to play the victim sometimes, they, and they like yeah. to hold on to it as well because it becomes part of their identity, right? And it's just it's an unhealthy behavior, in my, in my opinion. Unless I'm no, not, yeah, yeah, because I'm not Sigmund Freud, but. and that's the point of me even doing this is because everybody the everybody goes through something. Everybody, you don't know anybody's story, but the way I speak to you, the way I could speak to a billionaire, the way I speak to the homeless man on the street, the, I talk to everybody like you're my family. Can you imagine we all did that? And I love people for that because actually no, because me and my my <laughs> me and my brother do not speak kindly to each other. So maybe again, I grew up in a, in a different world than than you did, where your family was your identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a little different from where I grew up. It's, yeah. Well, it's a different family because listen, natural family. I'll tell you right now. I know if my brother hears this, I don't talk to my brother right now. Listen, there's wars all the time with that i forgive him and i let it go just like anything else i forgave the the things of my past forgiveness every time i even post about that people get to me they're like "Ah, i can't do it i can't do it and i'm like but it's not about them it's for you to that point the gentleman who on july 10th 2013 shot at me Mm. one of the most difficult things i had to do was to forgive him Mm. once i did i felt better it was it took a long time to do because he changed my life forever. Wow. But again, it wasn't for him. Right. It was for me cuz I had to let him go. Yeah. I do understand that. Yeah, cuz it's when you hold on bitterness can form. You're not walking in joy. You're you're walking in bitterness. You're walking with hurt. You're not healing. Think about the wound. When you have a wound, it takes time for it to close and for it to be. And it can heal, but it has the scar. You can look at it. So that's why for me, I may be scarred, but I'm healed and I'm healing. You As know? we say, you are pretty dented. Yes. But you're not broken. Yes, that's right. You know, bitterness festers. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible feeling. Yeah. You know, it really is. I, I still have a lot of built up bitterness about a lot of things. <laughs> and sometimes it just really gets to me. And I, yeah. you know, you, you need some kind of outlet. And yeah. there, there are certain people that I can forgive in life now. Yeah. There are certain people I just haven't gotten to that point yet. For me, I cry when I have to. I, that's my outlet or I pray or I do things or I fill myself or I make sure that I spend that time thinking about it. So when it comes up, I have images sometimes. I have images of myself finding that receipt. I have images of being choked. I have images of- Flashbacks. Of course. That's what they are. They're flashbacks. Yeah. I have those. I could be standing there washing the dishes and all of a sudden it grips me. Like when people talk about PTSD, I don't want to use the term because people have that but I, I do. I have that. It grips you. It. I literally have had broken out into sweat because imagine five years that it was from beginning to end during those two relationships. There, there are plenty of forms of PTSD. I mean, Kevin and I both suffer from PTSD and ours were... We're, we're documented. We're, we're yeah, state we're, documented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I got paperwork that says I'm nuts. <laughs> but, you know, anything like that, like you went through, that's a traumatic experience. Well, it, it goes with what, my definition of PTSD. We... We've said this many, many times. It's knowing you're going to die and not dying Mm. and then have to deal with those feelings of death acceptance. Everything that you've gone through, your 
trigger response, your flashbacks where you'll sit there and just you'll lose yourself in, in a vision. Yeah, yeah. I know it sounds very strange no, to no, people who don't unless you've been there. Right. But if you've been there and you understand that, so yeah. all those things that you just said, Mike and I have had. Yeah. So we, we come from a place of understanding with that. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, when you're being choked, mm-hmm. this could be it. Yeah. It really could have been it. Yeah. And that's where your tragedy really fits into what my definition of PTSD is. Right, right. PTSD seems to be an umbrella that people just throw out Right, there, right, yeah. Which is offensive to me, and it should be offensive to you because you've really gone through some bad things. Like if they see a car accident, oh, I got PTSD because of a car accident. Right, right, right. You really don't. You saw tra- You saw horror, you saw tragedy, you right. saw this. But your life was never in danger. Yeah, yeah. All those things, you definitely got. Through healing, you realize what happened. Because, listen, you go into survival mode, right? Mm-hmm. And I did that after I actually was like, all right, I knew I had to get out. And I went through that survival mode. But you can't thrive in survival mode. You can't. No, you're you know? just surviving. That's right. all you're doing. So You're not living, you're surviving. Right. And that's that. That's the difference that I transitioned. And But it was crazy because at the same time, I was doing comedy. And I was around these people that the comedians that I was around, each one of them, I literally go there and I'm like, I love you guys. And people are like, why do you, why? why? Like, what? like, meaning I'm the one that I decided I'm going to be, I'm going to be myself no matter what. Well, to comedians, the, what I know of comedians is they are some of the most dented individuals on the planet. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, because I realized that I have so much in common with them mm-hmm. from the 19 year old that's going up to the open mic and talking about the craziest stuff. Believe me. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my God, my ears. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no. And, I, and, and like, I'm like, oh, but I knew that they were going to get me to a different level in my healing. They didn't even know that. That's why I have this care for them, you know? And then I realized real quick, I'm like, I'm going to develop a team. All, that's all I knew in my in my heart. Because the people that I deal with and we can work well and laugh together and do things for other people. And that's what's developing, you know? It's important to, to surround yourself with like-minded people. Yeah, yeah. You know, not that agree with you, just that think similar. Yeah, yeah. Because no. we, Mike and I, we don't, we don't agree on hardly anything. <laughs> However, we work well together because I don't want to talk to my, I'd be very boring to talk. I, listen, it'd probably be the most interesting conversation in my life just to speak to myself. But, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's an impossibility. But anyway, you, you got to bounce somebody off, uh, somebody who thinks in the same direction you do, right. but not like you. Yeah, I mean, and it can come from everyone and everything. Like, I am one of those people that learn from every circumstance. If you see me in quick check, I will talk to everyone. I am that mindset of of saying you just learn from everyone. But it's always an octave higher because you are Italian. Hundred <laughs> percent, yes. Of well, Mike, <laughs> tell the story about last night with my wife. So, my wife, there's a crowd. There's a crowd there, and. My wife has to go an octave above (laughs) to the point where the person across the room, this is a true story. The person across the room is looking over going, yeah, yeah, I I was there too. (laughs) Just looks at her and says, Trish, you know, they could hear you on the other side of the room. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, that's, I don't know. I think it's, it's Italian vocal cords. I love it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's no uh, whispering. I don't understand. I I think it's from. Getting a spoon across the ass when you're younger, you know, maybe I just... Well, I got the spoon, too. So the spoon's not an Italian thing. The sp- My mother taught Darth Vader how to sword fight with a broomstick. 
you find this career, right. you you find this this joy of comedy, mm-hmm. and you bring your past tragedy. Now, how do you rework your tragedy into your comedy? I actually have not dove into that part of the story yet. Right now, I've been just working on my um, just growing up family stuff and things like that. But that was tough for you. You just you're in the beginnings now, and yeah, and, and you're working the things. I'm sure growing up and thinking things were very difficult, and now you're using that. Yeah, you're getting some. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's funny stuff. <laughs> we laughed all night last yeah, night. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, it's got to be relatable, obviously. I mean, not everybody cares if I drink and wine at three years old. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm just saying, like, but the whole point for me is that I'm trying something new. I'm jumping in. I'm going after what's in my heart. And it's not about just me. It's about the team. It's about everybody that's involved. It's about the club owner. It's about the comedian. It's about the waiter that was there. It's the whole thing. Every time that I just surrender, you know, recently, even this year, the more I surrender to those things, to God, to what I need to, I know that I have a destiny, whatever that is. It could be for the smallest thing or the biggest thing. The more open doors come, the more favor I have, the more I connect with people on so many levels. And and that to me is the big victory. You it's got to feel good when you're on stage and you hit that joke where oh. you see somebody's <laughs> eyes light up because, hey, that's, that's, that's my background. As I well. made that person smile. Yeah. Uh, I got to, I got to admit. I can actually tell a joke, and when they laugh, it stops me. I'm like, wait, why are you laughing? And I'm like, oh, I'm here doing that. Okay. Like, so many times. You know, yeah. one, of the, one of the key words you said, and it's been brought up here, here before, was surrender. Yeah. Remember, we had Brad in here yep. not too long ago. Here's a guy that was in West Point military academy. Uh-huh. Wow. He fell on some hard times, and someone went up to him and said to him, you have to surrender to God. Yes. He said, he was a police officer at that time. He said, we don't have surrender in our vocabulary. Wow. Yeah. He said, we can't surrender. And it wasn't until he actually surrendered yeah. that he got the help he needed. I prefer the term tactical retreat. Retreat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because again, surrender can't be in my vocabulary. Yeah. So I, I work around it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tactical retreat. Just bring it back. No, absolutely. And that's a hard thing to even comprehend. I was just writing down this year, I came up with five words, but I start with surrender. Then I go into soaking. When you surrender, it's just a heart thing to be able to go, you know what? You know, everybody knows the song, Jesus, take the wheel, you know, like that type of thing. But it's like just a heart thing to say, you know what? Is, Is there something better that I don't know? And then I wrote soak. You have to soak it in. You got to be able to like let that infuse in you and sit to be able to not move because everybody's always moving. But after that portion, then you're able to stand because you have the strength to do that. And then I wrote soar because you can go to levels. I've been at levels recently. I can't even tell you the literal, just supernatural little miracles. And I hate saying it because people are like, oh, what's she talking about? But I tell my close people, you know, my sister-in-law, my friends. And everybody's like, wow, you can't even make that stuff up. And I want to ride that as long as possible. You know, that's what I'm looking forward well, to. Well, you're now producing shows. You know, there's no more. It's, it's crazy. I'm it's it's wonderful, yeah, though. Yeah. All, it's, the, all it is from passing a place and seeing a <laughs> comedy writer sign. You know, now she's yeah. producing if, comedy shows. If and, you're a person who believes in signs, mm-hmm. and we've had several of them on here that do, yes. it's pretty much that this career, mm-hmm. and hopefully it works its way, it's, this is not your full-time career. This no, is, this no, is your this part-time is gig. Fun, yeah, yeah. This is fun. 
And listen, <laughs> you do what you love, the money is going to follow. And yes. if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So yes. hopefully one day, would you like to try to work this into a career? A hundred percent. Yes. I was on the phone with my daughter and I was screaming today. And I was like, I loved every aspect. I love producing. I love, again, I keep saying it's not about me. It's about everyone, everyone involved. The team last night, the lineup I had, everybody had such a great attitude. They brought their game. They were, they were just part of the whole thing and that to me means more than anything but that that was like-minded people last yes, night you know yes. everybody went up there and and everybody that got on stage every comedian that got on stage just yep. had this outgoing it, it was like a reflection of you every time they got up oh, there that's awesome because yeah, they yeah. just had this like bubbly personality and yeah. you know sometimes you go up and see comedians and like Stephen wright you ever see Stephen Wright? Yeah, it's very dry. Uh, he just yeah, sits yeah. there and talks like the, you know, yeah. everybody got up there with a bubbly personality. I mean, it was just anybody who doesn't know who Stephen Wright is, uh, watch the movie Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs. He oh. is the DJ for oh. K Billy Super Sounds of the 70s. All right, all right. <laughs> yes. Okay. And he's brilliant. Uh, that's yeah. his, he's brilliant because that's his niche. Larry. Uh, Bea. Uh, Bea. Yes, Larry Bea. Do you understand how many times he told the, particular people in the audience to no fuck you <laughs> and he kept saying that and people now mind think about this is the world of comedy that just blows my mind he's telling people to fuck you and they're laughing at him <laughs> you know that that's a wonderful it's a wonderful gift like yes. i said in the beginning it's an art and it's a gift because if he came out there on stage and just looked somebody in the eye, hey fuck you yeah right, well right. then he's going to turn people off but he worked right. i watched him and i watched him craft it just like i watched you how you crafted your act yeah, yeah. and you brought the people in hmm. it's not an easy thing and no, that's what you yeah. did you learn that in the comedy writing or is that something that you naturally had no the comedy writing was just a piece but going out there, going open mics, failing, bombing, get in front of comedians and trying to make them laugh. God, uh, what's that feel like? To uh, bomb? What? Oh well, I, I, I should know I bomb every week on this show. Listen, <laughs> if you have any type of insecurity or I literally leave open mics, I'm like, thank you so much for making me feel horrible about myself. <laughs> and then I smile and I'm like, but I still love you, you know, because they just stare, stare at you like, you know, why are you here? But make me laugh, clown. Yeah, that's. <laughs> But that's the nature of it. And when somebody says, like, hey, I want to come out, I'm like, get ready. Because if you could get past that, understand what open mics are and you're out there and you're just trying to put pieces together. I could be like, all right, I'm going to work this piece in. Last night were all pieces that I worked over the year. If you can make the comedians laugh or actually get their attention... Listen, you walk away from that open mic going like, oh, my God, I could really be a comedian. I, well, <laughs> I could do this. Would you really appreciate it as much if you were able to do that the first shot out of the gate? Never. Right. No. And I think no. it's a dangerous thing. Yeah. It's a dangerous thing if you go out there on open mic. And let's say you have a piece of material that it's raw and it's unworked, but it's funny. Yeah, yeah. And you make everybody laugh. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, you're going to say, well, you know what? I can make everybody laugh. And yeah. then all of a sudden, you're going to get hit with that obstacle yeah. where you're going to bomb. It depends on the audience. It depends on your heart. It depends if you're sensitive to the audience, you know, and what they want to hear. Like, I'm not going to go and talk about my family, Italian growing up, if there's a certain audience there. Like, it, it's certain things. So, I'll, But that develops. Listen, I know comedians that are out there open mics four or five times a week, and I give props to them. I haven't done that just because well, my life is all over the place right now with a, a bunch of projects that I'm doing. So... I don't know. I mean, do you want to give just... the Suffering Podcast a little scoop on one of them? 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm involved with uh, Jersey Pizza Joints. That's like a really awesome. Know the why behind the pizza pie. Yes. That's what, yes. yes. You know my little thing. <laughs> Go, yeah. Kevin said, we follow you. The, I do the, my the research. Why behind the pie with Roro. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I love doing those videos. I get to meet amazing individuals, owners. They tell me why they're in business. And with everything that happened last year, even to be able to help in any way, get, I've had people go, oh my God, I'm going to go try them because you, you you told me about them and and that makes me happy and feel good you, you know you influence people you you had a say in their lives and you, yeah. you brought joy to them even though they are not standing directly in front of them yeah it's just you know what i just want to be a vessel mm-hmm. you know i really do if it's the a vessel to make people laugh or to be like hey you got to check this out it's good i think our minds our eyes our bodies have to be filled with that we can't be filled with fear we can't be filled with chaos right i mean it's, i love the adventurous now, now, now on the flip <laughs> have you ever had pizza that you didn't like and now you had to say oh no what am i going to say about this one <laughs> um well i could say that i had pizza that i did not prefer as much as the other ones that is so politically correct yeah <laughs> but at the same time i actually did find other things that they had on their menu and again i won't go in and bash them yeah. and i i made that clear i'm not going to go in and be like oh their pizza sucks okay next like you know i go in and go but they make an awesome chicken parm veal parm you know whatever you got to go here and support them that way but you is know? it chicken parm isn't that what you call metagon food <laughs> it's definitely not italiano no that's <laughs> that's i've heard that term so many times listen in this world of politically correct obviously it's it's a fine to just call metagons because it's not flattering yeah yeah <laughs> you have all these different things and did you know that roe has an imdb page Oh, yes, you do. Oh, my God. You did your homework. Of course I did my homework. (laughs) I I, I got Roro Antonuccio in here. It's my one shot. I got to do my research. Told you Netflix, Netflix. (laughs) So so you did a a film? (laughs) No. So we actually, there was something, a project that was uh, stirring up uh, locally in Kenilworth, New Jersey, that it's a I shame was... the Sopranos aren't still around. You'd be telling me, right? Oh my! I went. And to I, so... I knew uh, Johnny Sachs' wife. It was it was a woman. She ends up poor woman died of cancer. But her name was Denise oh. Barino. I knew her very well. Okay. I know her brother Vinny very very well. Oh. And she she's the one who won that casting call out of. Yes, I think people. I remember. Yeah, it was I remember. A great story. Yes, I remember so that. As a cop, I, I used to work the Sopranos when they were shooting. They shot a couple times in Roseland. Wow. And one of the PAs came up to me and, and they were telling me a story specifically about Denise, where her first season, Denise was heavier. Yes. But yes, I she wasn't that heavy. Then right. she put a suit on. One of the PAs comes up to her and they always used to like jiggle the fat suit around. Ah. And well, the second season comes out and I guess Denise gained a little bit of weight. Ah. And the PA comes up behind him trying to jiggle in the fat suit and it wasn't the fat. <laughs> Suit. Oh, <laughs> Whoops. I, uh... Yeah, so it, poor Denise. I, I, she was such a lovely, oh. lovely woman. She passed, oh God, it's probably 10 years ago now oh, that she passed. Oh, wow. Yeah, but oh, you'd have been perfect for she that. Been a, oh, I would have loved would've it. would have been perfect on The Sopranos. I oh, would've. my God. You would have had your own offshoot show. And oh, you my God. Listen, forget Netflix. You would have been on HBO and everything else. Let's do another one. Let's do something like that <laughs> well, They're, they're, then, they're you know? doing The Many Saints in Newark. I know a bunch of people on there. I can't wait to see that. Just get your personality. Your personality comes through. I mean, the first time I spoke to you on the phone, I could just feel your personality. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's infectious. And somebody with a personality like yours, I said, whether you go and open an auto mechanic shop, you're going to be successful. <laughs> because you you're can so you can draw people in. Yeah, yeah. There's a thousand comedians out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's going to make, obviously, your material, but what's going to make 
your material better than comedian B. It's mm. your personality. Yeah, it's yeah. how you present it. Yeah. I think you do a very, very good job. Thank you. Thank you so much. But I did have something, and this goes along with bombing. Like you, you have your, your showcase last night. What, mm-hmm. what happens if nobody shows up? People, we've done that. We've actually, I've had, I've been on shows that no one shows up and, and honestly, or two people. And we still went with the show and we were doing it in the pandemic and it was outside. <laughs> so we actually, and I remember, uh, I think it was like, yeah, I mean, it was at TIFFs as well. But obviously if there, there was one show that I was in Jersey City, we were all ready, all hyped up. It was my first show in Jersey City and no one showed up. And then we were like, all right, let's go to an open mic. And then we, we did that. I mean, sometimes it happens. Um, but is that a blow to your ego? It's, or, or you take it personally in any yeah. way? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so before the show last night, you know, they were telling me how many tickets were sold. And I was like, oh, my God, do you think people are going to come to the door? And I was like, oh, what could I have done? How could I? I mean, I was, you know, listen, when you have a show, you're blasting it out all over the place. And I'm going, oh, my God, they're going to think I'm a pain in the butt. But but there's got to be a different um, also avenue to be able to reach people and say, hey, because then I had people come up from the restaurant that last night. And uh, the one girl was like, oh, my God, we it was so much fun. And I was like, all right, cool. So sometimes, you know, you never know. But I was nervous, though. I was nervous. We got a little taste like, of it. So we did our live hack and sex show, which Ro was so happy to come. Oh, yes. It's so nice to come and MC for us. Oh. Several occasions where, we, you know, I'm trying to blast it out there. I'm trying to get people involved. And what if nobody shows up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, there's always that yeah. possibility and there's nothing you can do about no. it. No. But. I also remember the story. You guys know Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, he always tells, um, well, I've read one of his books. He had a play that he knew he needed to perform. And I think like nobody showed up or something. It was like the smallest thing. But he knew he had to continue on with it. And then he kept going. Literally, it blew up overnight. And from one play, the man was homeless one moment. And now he, look look at Tyler Perry now. I actually thought that yesterday. I'm like, Lord, I go, if no one shows up, if you still tell me to go and do this, then I'm going to do it from because what's inside of me, you know? If if we do a show and nobody does the downloads, yeah, it's a little blow to your ego, but we're faceless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're faceless. We don't see that. True, that, true. It, that we're not staring at the back of empty chairs. Yeah, yeah. And I I was thinking of my that to myself last night, and it, it God, it's got to be a come to Jesus moment yeah. pretty much. <laughs> So you you've had some you've had some great successes. Yeah, yeah. And is there is there one of them that stands out? There's so many. There's so many not because of me, but because of the connections again. You know, last weekend I was with John Lombardi, uh, Gemini Entertainment mm-hmm. and uh Joey Cola, and it was so humbling. Joey Cola and Gemini Entertainment, they've been in in comedy for 30 plus years. John was telling me that he was, you know, when Ray Romano was coming up, he was with him. Really? You know, and his show and Jeff Norris and all these people, like, let me tell you something. And I'm able to even have a conversation with these people. Never mind go on stage with them. I was walking around like a little kid. I was like, oh, my God. Um, and I think but there was like 200 people that night last weekend. But again, what I walked away from is, you know, Joey pulling me aside, going, listen, this is what you do. Go, Don't do this. Go into that. And I took away treasure. I literally said to John the next morning, I go, I took away treasure from you guys. Those are the highlights for me. You went to college. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah. listen, being, but again, also I learned from the kids. There's, there's one comedian that comes on stage and he stands there for five minutes and says nothing. And people are like, Ooh. what are you doing? Yeah. And people get mad. But you know what I do? 
wow, I always try to look at the good thing. And I'm like, yeah, but he has the confidence to actually stand up and do it. And if people get all irritated, and then if he says one thing, everybody starts busting out laughing. My mindset is just a little different. Like, it's it's an open mic. It's not like, you know, we're sitting there and, and there's 100 people in the show. The main things for me is being able to to be connected or go to Scotty's when I see when I see Jean there and I I have I'm an emotional person anyway but I just love people that gave me a chance. That it also is probably a, a good rush. Yeah, yeah. You get you get laughter out of people. Oh yeah, that's a whole different. Listen, hi, talk about hi. Yeah. I I don't drink. I don't do nothing. Right. <laughs> but I was high last night. I came home. I was just like, wow, my heart is so full. We really? had a tough time going to sleep with all the anxiety <laughs> and all that stuff. <laughs> no, but you guys, I appreciate you guys came out. Everyone that came out. I mean, it's just we so enjoyed humbling. ourselves. Hey, we we don't get to have a chance to come out as Mike lives over in in, in Bergen County and. We don't get a chance to go out together all that much, especially with Mike's girlfriend and my wife. And yeah. So you brought us out together. That's one thing. Awesome. The second thing is I know my wife, and I'm pretty sure Mackie is the same way, uh, Mike's girlfriend. They love to laugh. Yeah, yeah. And who doesn't want to come see a comedian? Right. Now, right, we have right. seen comedians that they're not so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. There's no way to sugarcoat it. They're not so good. Not your your cup of tea. Whatever, not my cup of tea. Yeah, and yeah. um the ones, the ones you have on your show, God, I was laughing from beginning to end. Oh, and that's great. Makes me want to go out and get cocoa butter, like Larry said. <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke. You got to follow Larry, and y'all put links to all these people on it on our show yeah. notes, especially yours. There's certain things inside your newfound profession that are limiting. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Political correctness. I know it, yeah. it seemed to all be broken last true, night. True. It oh, was yeah. all broken last night, and once they're broken. <laughs> They're funnier because yeah, Mike yeah. and I, before yeah. you came in, we were talking about Blazing Saddles, the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to watch that on one of the TV channels the other day. And it was it was unwatchable yeah, because yeah. it's now this new politically correct type of atmosphere. They cut out the joke of the movie. The mm-hmm. joke of the movie is racism and how ridiculous it is. Right, right. And you're cutting it out. Right. So right. how does that affect your your new life? I always say, and especially in a comedy like setting, I usually sometimes I do the Miranda rights of comedy. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> nothing will be. Uh, what is it? It's a the nothing Miranda will rights? be held. Oh, uh, you have the right to remain silent. But I say you have the right. You have the right to remain to laugh yes. here. Okay, and nothing will be held against the comedians. <laughs> okay, so everybody's free. But me personally, just who I am as a person, I'm always sort of careful with certain things, depending on, you know. Um, see, isn't, isn't that what comedy is all about, to laugh at anything? Absolutely. It's just and we to laugh at anything. I mean, you know, we life is too serious. True. If you can't laugh at yourself. Oh, 100%. Then, you know, then, then you're not going to laugh at anything. Definitely. I'm saying more of like, you know, I'm still learning in that. That's why I watch people, how they break down those walls and how they can cross over. I'm still learning. I think that. you have That's... to have some sort of connection. And I'll give yeah. you a for, for example. You're Italian. You can obviously say whatever you want about Italians. Yeah. I'm Irish. I can say whatever I want about Italian, right. about Irish. Now, because I'm Irish and I married an Italian, I feel like I have that, <laughs> that right to say what I want about sure. Italians. And I did an Ancestry DNA and I'm 6% Jewish. So there's all the Jewish jokes. There you go. I'm there ready. Go. Now I'm, re- I'm halfway there. <laughs> Listen, if I, I find it. if I find out some other race in there, I'm using it for all it's worth. You bust out that paper and That's go, look, right. this is me, That's man. That's right. <laughs> I'm I'm Italian and Irish, and I didn't find out till later in my in life that my grandmother was actually Albanian. Oh yeah, wow. 
Oh. But there's no good Albanian jokes out there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even use an Albanian joke against myself. You've navigated those waters. Are you, are you more careful the way you craft something because of that? You don't I, want to be canceled. Right, right. And it's not, listen, if you talk about that, I don't care about no canceling because, you know, like if you know me, like, come on, you know, like, but, and I, I can't stand all that stuff. People are being canceled for things that it's like, wait a minute, who are these people that are canceling? You know, yeah. <laughs> that's number one. I'd like, number to see, one. I'd like to see what happens behind their closed doors. No, that's just, listen, that's number one. I, I'm, I don't feed into that. And that's what I, I personally, I stay away from all that stuff. I do. As soon as I see all that stuff, I don't read, you know, no no chaos, no no uh, just battles and pe- – I don't. I don't. I'm the type of person, you're in front of me, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you so hard. Like, you're. Gonna, I'm going to feed you. I love you. <laughs> I will, you know, treat you like family. And I think if you think like that, I just stay away from all that that stuff. I know, know? there's – sticking with the political correctness thing, I know there's, there's some people that see the comedian – such yeah. as yourself, as not as funny. Mm-hmm. I've never found that because I found some very funny comedians. Also, oh, right. I also found some women comedians that aren't funny, but and likewise, I have found men comedians that aren't funny. Do you think it's more difficult? Now, Bill Burr had put this, somebody had asked Bill Burr this, and he, in his <laughs> normal style, he says, it doesn't matter what's between your legs. It's just be, go up there and be funny. <laughs> and he's right. He's true, absolutely true. right. True. But do you ever find... You have to break down that wall or work a little bit harder to break down that wall? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because um, last night as I was walking around the restaurant uh, trying to get people up to the show and I'm handing them my card, it literally says like, row, row, Antonio comedian, whatever. Every single person was like, you're a comedian? And I'm like, what? Is it because I have curly hair? What? Is it the hoop earrings? I don't know. The heels? I don't know. No, that's because you're from the 80s. That's (laughs) the hoop earrings. So I get that a lot. And that's just a natural reaction. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've heard those things. You know, I've heard guys say that, you know, girls aren't funny and whatever, you know. Again, I just stay away from all that chatter. It's because a lot of girls have been laughing at them for other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I just, you know what? I stay away from it. Anything that's negative or toxic, those are the things. Like I said before, I learned how to not tolerate certain things. There are some people that um, showed their colors as I was, um, you know, I'll go up and the one one person, a few, they would like bust and say, oh, you get attention for X, Y, and Z, or you get attention for this and that. It's not because of your comedy and whatever, you know? You well, funny's funny. So uh, case yeah. in point, Roseanne Barr, one of the funniest female comedians ever. Yeah. Nikki Glaser. Yeah. Incredibly hilarious. Of course. So funny's funny. Right, right, right. Sticking with that, I believe that some people who are less than funny use that as an excuse as to why they're not funny. Right. Rather right. than their materials. No, no right, good. right. True. And I'm not just crapping on female comedians. Male comedians do it as well. Yeah, listen. But again, if you're going to judge someone on one set or whatever, and again, it's all a learning process. If I was doing this for 25 years and still do like I'm in this two years. This is right. two years for me. You but know? if you're enjoying it. Why go any further? Yeah, no, no. But who cares? Right, right. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, don't judge me for now. Were, were you following Kevin Hart around when he was like, you know, 25, 30 yeah. years ago? No, when he was did, a nobody. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. And I local clubs in Philly. But I'm sure he was hilarious then, and and whatever. But I'm saying there's a process, and again, I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm at that point. I'm 46. I'm like, you want, you want to not like me? Okay, all right, move. Well, what we'll direction do you think? If you had a crystal ball, look into the future ten years. Where would you hope to see your career? 
definitely producing, definitely uh, writing. I have a lot of things in me. I just need connections, you know? Like, again, I have some things bubbling up in, front, in, in me that stories that need to come out. So whether it be, I'm not sure if it's like TV or acting or I have no idea. But um, but with the comedy, it definitely, you know, working with the club owners and being able to produce a show, even pizzerias. I was at this restaurant in uh, Livingston, and the owner said to me, hey, you want to do a show Calandra, over here? Calandras? Uh, Calabria. Calabrias. Calabria. I'm sorry. Yes. I saw you there. Yes, yes, yes. And they were so, so awesome. Yeah, Calabria Pizzeria and Restaurant in uh, Livingston. Yeah, the owner was like, hey, you want to do a show over here? And I was like, are you kidding me? Yes, I want to do a show over here, you know? So hopefully, we'll see. For right now, I'm just going to keep rolling with it and do you ever see yourself going into the acting gig i know that's that's a segue for a lot a natural segue for a lot of comedians i heard a great realization by steve martin steve martin was the top of the top in his day and he went out on stage and he did something and without even trying to be funny people were just laughing at him like he wasn't it wasn't a joke it wasn't a bit it was like he lifted his arm and people just started (laughs) laughing and at that moment he says that he knew his comedy career was done. Wow. Because people were no longer laughing at his material. They were laughing at because he's Steve Martin. Yes, 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 yes. So he pulled back from comedy. Wow. And then got into acting. Oh, okay. So it was a natural segue for him. Nice. Do you ever see that happening to you? A hundred percent. I mean, I I just, in me, I love all that. You know, I grew up You love performing, it looks like, it sounds like. I love Lucy, you know, Mm. uh, all that that type of, uh, you know, Carol Burnett, you know, having a variety show, all those things. Do you tug your ear like she did? <laughs> I know, I remember that. Yeah, it was it was a sore mother, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. I still watched even on YouTube. I put on Carol Burnett. Oh, stuff. She, oh amazing. Tim Conway. Oh, Vicky Lawrence used to crack me up when she was mama. Yes. Oh yes. god. What yes. used to crack me up is like Harvey Corman laughing at Tim yes. Conway during the middle of school. Yes, absolutely if you hysterical. Google that just alone, just at the crack up, well, there, oh, it's there's hilarious. Exactly, you got to look at Tim Conway when he's the uh, dentist and he keeps yes. hitting himself with the, yes. the Novocaine. Well, there's there's what you just said. The ultimate accolade for you is to yes. make a comedian laugh. And yes. you see him break that wall on Saturday Night Live oh, all the time. Jimmy Fallon it. was famous for, for yeah. breaking up. But Tim Conway and Harvey Corman, these great teams – they make their other their fellow yes. colleagues laugh and now it's like ah i did that's it that's a I whole different it. oh my god bubbling forth yeah 100%. i mean it's easy to make a moron like me laugh it's not <laughs> it's not real difficult uh, yeah. I have a very base humor <laughs> level, so just bring it down to my level, and I, I'm pretty good. No. Hey, listen, it's going to get better because marijuana is going to be legal soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. So everybody will be outside token up, and they go up and watch a comedy show, and then everybody laughs. Isn't it legal now? I thought it was. It's it, Yeah, you still need a prescription, so I've heard. Oh, oh I don't so know. So I've heard. So I've heard. So I've applied. Uh, so I've heard. <laughs> I just, I'm naturally high, and only, I literally say, like, I'm infused with it, because maybe from when I <laughs> I did it when I was 18 because people laughed. They're like, really? And I'm like, I swear on my life. <laughs> well, tell me, at least tell me you drink coffee. I do. Okay. Of course. Because oh. if you didn't drink, I, I understand no liquor oh. and none of that stuff. But no coffee, that would just no, no, that would no. be a sin. Uh, no, yeah, it's more of like a diet thing too. But on top of everything else, but no, the the caffeine I ha- I need. That's my first. Uh, well, you have a joy. Nice yes. bottle of caffeina right in front of you. I'm I know you've had them before. Caffeina and... has been one of our proudest supporters from and the very beginning. Earliest. I love it. I can't wait to drink this today. It's gonna give it. One, one question I had in in regards to comedy: Have you had like a a nasty like heckler yet? Oh yeah. Well, my first one. <laughs> it's so funny. 
<laughs> oh my god! So my first one was actually a hooker at a bar, <laughs> right? So the the a show hook, a, a, hooker. a hooker heckled you. <laughs> Say that three times fast. A yeah. hooker, the, the heckler hooker, the heckling hooker. Yeah. hooker. And I listen. I'm authentic Jersey girl. Listen, everybody's like, "Oh my god, Rosanna's so sweet." Yeah, but okay, I am. But listen, I'm still Italian, and I'm a defender. I don't fight. But let me get this. You know, I defend people. You know, I've always been like that when my brother was little or whoever. Right. So we, we're at this bar in um, South Amboy, I think it was. I'm sitting there, and there's this older gentleman, literally like. I can't even he, – he, and he looked like the guy from Silence of the Lambs, the guy who put the lotion in the basket. That's what he looked oh, like. Buffalo Bill. So scary. So he's sitting there, and this beautiful little woman next to – and then I'm like, oh. And then it started coming out who she was. So he, she was, you know, his, his, his whatever date, date fun for the, for the night. night. But she was the nastiest person on earth. All of a sudden, she starts screaming at the comedians, like, you guys suck. When are you going to tell a joke? Blah, blah, blah. Regardless of what you see in the movies, Ooh. and I've had run-ins with prostitutes, as not personally, that being on the job. As recent as last week. <laughs> <laughs> I've had run-ins with prostitutes. They're not Julia Roberts. No, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> they get into this profession not for the oh, it's the hooker with a heart of gold. It's a movie thing. It's usually not that. Right, right, right. No, I mean, this girl, listen, besides that she was a hooker, I don't really care, but she was a nasty mouth girl. That was I, I honestly, to be honest, and with everything that I, I want to punch her across the room, you know? <laughs> so I got to Fenton, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I went right up to the guy that was, like, doing the show, and I go, you want me to take care of her? And he started laughing. He's like, no, that's not how you handle a heckler. Because <laughs> I was literally going to rip her out of her seat and, like, no, take her out. verbally beat them down, right? You know? So he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, calm down. So I was like, mm. and I was just brewing, because she was doing it to everybody. And then when it was my turn to go up, she st- but I just went right at them the way that I did and she just blew up and um but then the bartender actually got involved and kicked her out uh, and I think maybe because he was like oh that, that's it we've had enough you, of her you the know? poor old man who had a date now you blocked him good job bro <laughs> good job the guy, listen he, he probably yes. paid good money for her too so where are you where are you going to be next see yesterday was one of my biggest uh just the highlights of, of uh, July for me. Um, but I have some shows that are coming up that are brewing. Some people reached out to me. We do have uh, an autism awareness, um, uh, I guess, show that's going to be coming up. We had to postpone the date. It was supposed to be at the end of July, but uh, that's going to be coming up. See, that's right um, up my alley because I'm big with Special Olympics New Jersey. So oh. Everybody with intellectual disabilities. That's Wow, I volunteered for them. I love them. So uh, that's going to be coming up. And then I also actually talked to the owner of TIFFs this morning. And he said, he was like, oh, I'm so proud of you. And he literally said, I can't wait to do a fall show. So we're going to be putting that together. And then in September, I have a couple Italian festivals that are coming up um, during the St. Gennaro festival time mm-hmm. period. And I have a couple shows coming up with that. So I still have to get all dates and, and everything like that. Once you get them, make sure you give them to me. because yeah. we will. Definitely promote any way we can, definitely, whether definitely. whether we're talking about it on the show or on our social media. We, we tell people all the time, once you come in here, you're part of our dented family. <laughs> whether you want to be or not. <laughs> whether you want to be or not. <laughs> like you feed people and they, once you eat with them, your family. Well, once you come in here and talk uh, to us and bear your soul. And tell us you're dense. And you're tied to it. us. You're tied to us and we will defend you. 
whenever necessary. Nah, I and, love and, it. And Kevin will take care of the next prostitute that, that heckles you. <laughs> at the, uh... <laughs> I love that. I love the brothers that, that come out of this, you know, experience. But really quick, I actually, for the Jersey Pizza Joints, too, um, we're going to be doing some videos. I did meet with a family, the Volpe family from Hoboken. Uh, they lost, uh, she lost her husband uh, during COVID, and they're, uh, they have three sons. So I'm going to be doing a video with that uh, coming up this week, and it's, it's just a really sad story. Um, but a couple business owners got together. They're talking, and uh, JPJ actually helped them. Um, and they're having actually a pizza crawl on September 11th on the in the Jersey Shore seaside. Um, so I'll also post about that because that's going to be a big thing. Um, and then I'm also running for councilwoman in November, and that's going to really take up my time coming up. For Roselle, Roselle Park. Roselle yes, Park, okay. my hometown. What I'm going to ask you to do after the show, I'm going to ask you to send me any links that you want to send so we can put it up in our show awesome. notes. Awesome. Thank you. You've gone through these highs and lows yeah. in your life, and you've experienced a lot of different suffering, and you've experienced a lot of different joy. So what do you think it's all taught you? Not in a selfish way, but really to love your life, to love who you are, to be able to heal when things happen. It's not a selfish thing. It's not about you. Like, you know, people always will come up to you, oh, you're selfie queen and the selfie and the selfie. And like I mentioned before, it's not if you knew and saw pictures and one day I will when I am comfortable, I'll put out those pictures of my before pictures. I don't do that right now because I was also very, very overweight. I lost a lot of weight. I was 70 pounds more than what I am right now. Who's telling you they don't, they don't like the selfies? Send them to me. Because I, I love them. They brighten up my day. They make me happy. Uh, every you. day. I, I just... Like I said, we said it before. Me and Kevin text each other like every day. Roro put something else up again. Today. And it's always the, the huge smile. And your, your personality actually comes uh, out in your smile. And it really you. is fantastic. And one of these days, what I'd like to do is bring your mother in here. Oh, my God. With you. You guys might have to come to there. That would be fantastic. <laughs> We're talking about shit and diamonds right there. Listen, my mom is so fun. I told her I met the president or no, the owner of a mozzarella factory that she goes to. I was so excited. I'm like, oh, my God, she's going to finally come. She she goes away from microphones and cameras. She's like, that's not the for me. That's not the for me. I'm like, Ma, you're hilarious. She's like, no. I'm like, oh, my God. So yeah, it's always the people set something who, up. It's always the people who don't realize how funny they are. Yeah. But just, just reverting back to last night, and, and there's only a few people who are going to get this. If you like, I would love to come over and fold your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. I love it. <laughs> Well, Ro, thank you so much for coming in and speaking to us Guys, on the Suffering you. Podcast. That was a wonderful show, Mike. This this girl just brightens up the room. Aww, we need more of her best. around us. Everything yeah, she did, everything she did last night with with what she put together and all the comedians and everything. Aww. And like I I told you before, I was having a real bad day yesterday. I even texted Kevin. Yep. I said I don't know if the I don't know if I'm in for a comedy show wow. tonight because I just didn't. I had like no motivation yesterday. Wow. Then I said, you know what? What a better way to get motivated oh, than to go see a comedy that, show. Oh, my God. So that's it really, so cool. So it really did help me out last night, and I appreciate it. Oh, my God. You just blessed yeah. me. That's so cool. Oh, I'm so happy. You guys are awesome. We can't wait to see you on the next showcase that you do or your next stand-up gig, and we'll certainly keep everybody posted on the show. So let's Thank think you. about all the stuff that we learned today. You have to do your penance. That is the path to healing. Toleration is not a battle plan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Treat and speak to everybody like family but most importantly love your life 
Thank you all for listening to The Suffering of a Comedian with Roro Antonuccio. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Find Roro on Instagram at Rosabella38. And we will see you on the next episode of The Suffering Podcast. Everybody have a good night.